guy doesn't make beats, but he makes points. Kanye Cleary, 27 points. Ace Baldwin Jr., 20. And the Nittany Lions beat number 11, Wisconsin, 87-83. Good morning. Frustrating game for the Badgers last night. Offense wasn't a problem. Well, that was the thing. It was like... Well, it kind of was with turnovers. The game was frustrating because they played offensively pretty well. I would say one of my positive takeaways from this game, being that they they did lose and it was their first loss in the Big Ten, was Stephen Crowell looked back to being healthy. Yeah. Because the last two games in which Badgers still won, obviously... Stephen Crowell didn't look right. He looked a little ginger. He looked like he didn't really necessarily want to take those shots. You know who looked he, ginger? Leo Boyle. Yeah, he was he was passing the ball and just kind of staying down, lumbering around the court and rebounding. It was nice to see Stephen Crowell being assertive and actually looking to score. That knee finally looks like after about a week, it looks healthy. So that that was my positive. But yeah, I mean turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Like it was Dak the, Prescott out there. The turnovers were horrible and flops. But here's my thing with the turnovers: Wisconsin, they kept flashing the graphic up. Wisconsin was one of the best in the country and Big Ten, where they're only you know turning the ball over about nine times a game. And Penn State was the worst in the Big Ten, yeah. turning it over sixteen times. Yeah, and they hardly turned the ball over at all. Was it five five times? I think they turned it over Penn State. Now I think one of the issues was um, I kept thinking, man, that in that first half, Wisconsin could not make a basket in the first 10 minutes. No, like no one, wanted, no one showed up. They were like, and Penn State just kept drilling everything. So then by, by halftime, when the Badgers are down 39-35, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, I, the Badgers can't be this cold in the second half. I can't imagine that Penn State stays this hot. This feels like a game where the – the Badgers will run them down in the second half, and they'll end up winning by like eight points. Run you down, be gun a, you down. Yeah, it'll be a, a nice, yeah, not not great win, but it'll be a win. Like yeah. survive in advance here so, again, move on. But shot a whole ten percent higher from the field, dude. The that was the thing. Wisconsin played even better. I thought off the the, the, well, the problem played, was the first half, the first ten minutes. Yeah, and the Badgers played I mean, really the first good. Five. It was twelve to two. Yeah. The Badgers played really good in the they, second half. Offensively, they played really good. But yeah. you know what the one thing was? Every time they got the game to, like, tied two points down, four points down, or even when Klesman hit the shot with about four minutes left to take the lead, mm-hmm. they never could get no. a stop no, on the couldn't. next possession. It was literally Cleary or it was um, they were always Baldwin the defense was that just found a way to score. Every so time annoying. Penn State needed a bucket – to keep momentum, so, they did it. Wisconsin averages nine turnovers per game. They committed eight in the first half alone. I mean, the, the first five, ten minutes was their downfall because they, sc- they scored 48 points to Penn State's 48 points in the second, right? And then Wisconsin scored 35 in the first half, and then Penn State did 39. Those, it was the first ten minutes of that freaking game and you know, the turnovers as well. But, yeah, they could never come up with a big stop when they needed it. Rudy. I feel like this guy, because the season has went as well as it has for the, the Wisconsin Badgers, I mean, they're 13-4, and four, they're five Five and one in conference. They're still in first place in the Big Ten. And when you think about their four losses, two of those teams are in the top ten. And one team was ranked until their best player tore his ACL. Yeah. And then there's Penn State. But I, I think the biggest thing for me, and we haven't we haven't really come after this guy, though he's not having a good season. Chucky Hepburn. I know he's done the little things like he's pass facilitating. The ball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steals the basketball, passes it, facilitates I think, I think it. AJ Stores, dude, taking that score. He's shooting horribly yeah. this year. Yeah, and um, he didn't. I mean, he didn't take a ton of shots last night, but he didn't play well. Mm-hmm. Where would this team be, by the way? <sighs> Maybe it was because it was a tough loss last night, sloppy game, which it always feels like it's a sloppy game. Extra sloppy at for Penn you. State or at Rutgers. Where would this team be without AJ Store, though? I think it's back to where it was last well, season. Good thing Gardo went out and <laughs> yeah. got him. What a godsend. Uh, huh? real, real quick before we get the phone calls, and Rowdy's got a lot of picks coming up because uh, it is, despite it being as cold as it is, it is golf season. So Rowdy's got some golf picks coming up. But uh, I was chuckling right here. Uh, the Rhodes, the coach for Penn State, saying how awesome their students were. Um, they <laughs> they got free tickets. Yeah, they got free. They said it was a snow day. They canceled school. Yeah, yeah. They, they were talking about, here you go, afterward, 
The hundreds of students who packed the lower section at courtside stormed the floor, a bonus perk on the free tickets for anyone brave enough to brave the snow and near zero temperatures. When the students came rushing on, I'm like, they're not even a top 10 team. You're st- you're storming the court for this? Okay, come, you guys are losers. Hey, I guess when it's that cold and the, you're looking for something to do, you know, Join together mid-court and get some body heat. You know? I mean, if, if, you would have taken, if you would have taken one of the digits off of the Wisconsin ranking and they would have been one. Storm away? I, I, yeah, have, have at it. The Storm Badgers away. were undefeated in conference. They, they probably would have like one or two losses. Okay, have at it. Yeah. Uh, but 11? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Next thing you know, they're going to be storming the court for beating the 24th ranked team. <laughs> Maybe they want their... just a team that's ranked higher than them in uh, Ken Palm. They're like, they're like, screw it. We're Penn State. We're yeah. going to storm the court. Why not? Mike, what's going on today, man? What's happening? Not. I'm pretty pissed about the batters last night. I mean, 14 turnovers. Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, and, Mike, um, I think I saw your, I think I saw your tweet. I think I saw your tweet about it, too, the, uh, the ref show as well. It was pretty bad, but who is that announcer again? That new guy, Miles Dread. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's oh a Penn State God. alum. He that was his first. That was his first game ever calling a game, and he's a Penn State alum. Like he was yeah, just well, playing for never, Penn State like a year or two ago. A game again? Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> like if I if any one of us sucked at our jobs that bad. Except for Rowdy, because he sucked at his job. Hey, no. But no, like if any one of us sucked at our jobs that bad, we'd be fired instantly. Like that was a, awful. Yeah, it made it a, a difficult watch. I mean, offense wasn't, like, a problem for the Badgers. They could just never, like, get over the hump once they got it close. And then um, the turnovers yeah, were bad. The turnovers were bad, but their defense last night was just horrible mm-hmm. so and they were just giving up wide open threes and they were giving up drives to the lane with like no resistance at all i mean i know max had he was he was sitting at three or four fouls but he like he just he was letting people blow by him because he didn't want to give up yeah. um another foul because he just bumped the guy and they blow the whistle Rudy, what was the one foul you're uh, the, the cameraman foul Oh, the one where Tyler Wall basically boxed out and just oh, just to God, be able to, to to grab the rebound so the Penn State player did not have the ability. I think it was old Boyle. Yeah. And, and they had to go back and look at it for a flagrant. The guy stepped yeah, on a and, cameraman like two steps after being boxed out. <laughs> like what? Yeah, and, and <laughs> of course, of course, the Penn State alum. Yeah, that's going to be a flagrant one for sure. Da, 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 da. Like shut up, dude! He's, like you don't even know what you're talking about. That's not a flight. That's a LeBron flop if I've ever seen one. He stepped on a cameraman. Hey, the Badgers though. Um, I don't think they'll have another quite a stinker like that. I mean, it was a tough loss because Penn State's not good. But you know, it's no, Big I mean, Ten, big stage. You know what? I, I saw a tweet last night. It was a crappy watch, crappy announcers, crappy refs. It was a crappy defensive show by us. Just put it in your back pocket. Forget about it. It's okay. It's one game. We still got to lead in the Big Ten. Yeah. It's, I'm not too worried about it. But Purdue looked like absolutely baller last night. But Indiana can't play any defense. So. Yeah. Mike, anything else, brother? How you feel about the Packers? Oh, they're winning for sure. Yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even doubting it at this point. I I didn't doubt it against uh, Dallas, and I'm not doubting it this weekend. Love it. I'm a. Uh, I really think they're going to win. I, I do think it's going to be a shootout, though. I really do. I think it's going to be like 33 to 30. Yeah, I mean, the Niners got the dogs to do it, so better watch out. They definitely do, man. Yeah. They Mike, definitely do. Hey, you guys, have a, you guys have a good day. You too, buddy. See you, Mike. Yeah, Greg Gard was uh, stressing is the defense, you know, is the defense, the defense, and the defense. If my mouse will work here, I'd love to play it for you. But, well, yeah. one of the things that, I mean, Mike mentioned there, too, it's, I think the defense was hurt a bit because your best on-ball defender, Max Klesman, was in foul trouble like pretty much the entire game. So that obviously hurt their defense. But I know I mentioned how Chucky Hepburn has not shot the ball well, but it's it's kind of been hidden because A.J. Storr has been so good. Stephen Crowell, for the most point, has been so good offensively. Chucky Hepburn was not getting around a lot of the screens, and, and guys were going past him pretty easily as well. So that was... 
that was pretty disappointing. Yeah. But it, it always felt like they were just one stop away in the second half from being able to take the lead, and they couldn't get it. It was it was frustrating. But then that's also where you got to go. Hats off to Penn State because they played their game of the year. Yeah, uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director, he tweeted out uh, definitely it was a bad loss. Uh, Penn State was the lowest ranked Big Ten team in the net at one twenty eight. Because I'm going to guess the Wisconsin doesn't lose too many of these games the rest of the way down the stretch. Well, Just take care of the ball, lock back in on defense, and they'll be fine. What was this team being compared to with like scoring the 70-plus points in like 10 straight games and the best start to you know co- conference play since 07-08? Well, that team that they were being compared to in 14 and 15 that made it to the national championship game, did they not go out east and play Rutgers and lay an egg? Mm-hmm. They did, yeah, they so... Did. And looking at the Ken Palm rankings, because we're starting to get closer to that part of the season where those those net rankings tend to matter, especially when you start talking about tournament time. And one of the one of the uh, things about those rankings is that 14 out of the last 15 NCAA champions fall into the category of being top 20 in the country net offensive efficiency and top 20 in the country net defensive efficiency. So you have to be at least top 20 in both to essentially win the national title. Mm -hmm. And going into that game yesterday, uh, according to Ken Palm, Wisconsin was sixth in offensive efficiency and 20th in defensive efficiency. So they would technically be one of the teams that would be qualified due to their efficiency ratings to be able to win a national title. Now, obviously those change game to game. So I'd have to bring them up now after a a game in which you gave up 87 and lost to Penn state. Who's not going to be anywhere near the top of any Ken Palm ratings. But another question that I had, and I asked Zach this yesterday and he didn't know the answer. And I have no idea the answer. Not only is it crazy that Wisconsin is in the top 20 for efficiency, offense and defense, but that's probably the first time since 2014, 2015 that they would have been that high in both ratings. And when's the last time that their offensive efficiency is actually better than their defensive efficiency. Right. That's also got to be like forever ago. <clears throat> Here's Gardo um, on why they lost. It was, you know, defense was good enough. We get 80, 83 points on 72 possessions. It's the defensive end. I mean, that's way more than enough to you should be on the the other side of this. This is most of our shortcomings are on the defensive end of the floor tonight. Yeah. And what was uh, Gardo's opinion of the defense coming into the game? We got a ways to go. I've thought that all year. Uh, We are not where we need to be and can be and should be. We hadn't been exposed in a while. We got exposed tonight. Part of it was to our undoing and part of it is a credit to to Penn State, specifically Cleary and, and Baldwin. You know, there's two as quick a guards as you'll see. You know, they had us on our heels. And, and they made plays. You know, turnovers have been an issue last night and the game previous. Playing too fast at times or too frenzied. And we had talked about that, of not letting that get you out of character. And right from the get-go, you know, first two or three possessions, I thought we were a little better in the second half. Um, we had some key ones in the second half that really hurt us. But, you know, it's just not getting out of character. And we got out of character early. And we're never in that gave them confidence. And we were never able to get that back. And one more from Gardo on the turnovers. Here you go. I said, here you go. I said, here you go. You know, we make a run and have a turnover. Make a run and give up dribble penetration. So, combination of the both. Um, but, yes, definitely taking care of the ball is something that, you know, they try to turn you over. We're trying to do a better job of taking care of it, and we didn't do a good enough job. There you go. And, I mean, basically, just look, look at the box score. The Badgers shot over 48% from the field. That wasn't an issue. The Badgers shot nearly 44% from the three-point line. That wasn't an issue. The Badger shot 87% from the free throw line. That's not the issue. You out-rebounded Penn State by double digits. That wasn't the issue. You had more assists on points scored than Penn State. That wasn't the issue. You can go right on down the list. Fouls. You didn't foul as much as Penn State. And that's another you know key Wisconsin stat is they don't foul. They play good defense. The one that killed you was turnovers. Yep. You had more than twice as many turnovers as Penn State, which is wild. 
because Penn State was the team that turned the ball over the most in the Big Ten, and Wisconsin was the team that turned it over the least. Yep. And you had four over your season average, and they had ten less than their season average. And then, uh, obviously, the defense. You, you can't allow Penn State to shoot over 53% from the field. They also shot 40% from three. And they had a nice night from the line, too, 75%. So I think it's big. the b- biggest issue is easily defense. Klesmit being in foul trouble obviously accelerated that. And then the turnovers, un, un, uncharacteristic turnovers. Let's go to the phones again. Line one, good morning. Pedro Pipeline from the north checking in. Troy, what's up, dude? Uh, just piggybacking off your topic about the Badgers. Um, did you, wasn't it terrible the start of the game for us? It was awful. We had like three out of the first four possessions or turnovers. Uh, I thought what Penn State did, which really exposed a problem is to to us on defense is their quickness. Their two guards were made us look like we were some slow white boys, and we were. You know, Klesmit and Wall were just always behind, and uh, I. So I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. And and the other thing, I wonder if Chucky's still hurting a little bit. Uh, Roddy talked a little bit about couldn't get around screens and that. I wonder if he's hurting a little bit from that injury he had. So. Uh, but boy, the quickness of those those two little guards really, or whatever position they were, I thought really was separated us because they created a lot of problems. Yeah, I I mean, you worried moving forward, Troy? Or? Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I think Penn State. I looked at their schedule yes yesterday, and I'm like, God, this. You hate to start looking ahead, but we should they should win this game even on the road and. You know, the environment was terrible there with, you know, two-thirds of those. Well, I mean, what school was canceled, right? And they were giving away yeah. free tickets. Um, Jam a day. Yeah, free tickets for them to get to the game. It was like, you know, right. sub-zero temperatures, yada, yada, yada. And then they stormed the right. court. <laughs> they stormed the court. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I agreed with you 100%. Rowdy kept on saying, okay, one more stop defensively. And they just couldn't get it, you know. And then... You know, leave go back up to four or five. They just couldn't get it, and it's very frustrating because that was a doable game. But you know, they got a couple wins in the Penn State, uh, a couple wins. So I, I think what we're going to find out is the Big Ten is not a dominant conference, but it's very, very evenly keeled on the Deep, uh, yeah. ability. Yeah. You know, you better come every night. There's no doubt, and that's been showing up. So, yep, yep. anyways, we're moving on to Friday Night Lights. Or we got Indiana, right? It, so. Yep, and. You know, I know Gardo, I don't know him, but I think he will re- really strict the defense the next couple of days, and I don't know if I want to be Indiana coming in after getting pasted, too, but from Purdue. So. Yep. Time to pace back, you know, Troy? Yeah, that's right. All right, you guys have a good day. Huh? See you, buddy. You too, Troy. Nice hearing from you. Talk soon. See you, man. Bye-bye. See you, Troy. Uh, line three, good morning. What's up, you Enzo. Enzo. What's up, homie? What's going on, bro? Not much. Uh, Badger basketball. Uh, yeah, a little disappointing. A little disappointing. A little. But my prediction, I'm starting to see now that, uh, you know, the Badger basketball team is going to start having more and more minorities on the team, non-white players, because of the NIL now, Wisconsin's going to look a lot more attractive because, Let's face the bottom line. Wisconsin's always looked like an Ivy League team, you know, in the Big Ten. You get those slow, you know? p- p- the prodding I mean, white they've, guys. They've, they've, they've had chances with like the local kids, but like the out of state minority kids, like. We love the Wisconsin's always love the, the, the tall white guy from Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. They're, they've always been good about getting those kids, but, you know, it's getting out of state kids, you know. Different outside of Wisconsin that that AJ Store AJ Store rules, dude. Right, right. There you go. That's an example. He wouldn't have been on that team a couple of years ago. I guarantee. Well, and if I you guarantee. take AJ Store off of this roster for the Badgers, I think they're probably like a who probably like an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament. But the fact that you got a guy that can go get a bucket when you need him to, I mean, he's been yeah. so reliable. Exactly. Coaching carousel in the NFL continues. These guys will be looking for jobs. We know this name as well. The Browns have fired offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. Oh, no. You fired. Tight end coach T.C. McCartney and running backs coach Stump Mitchell. You fired. You fired. One hour ago, Alex Van Pelt 
out there looking for a job. You think he calls up Aaron Rodgers? Hey, buddy. He calls up Mike McCarthy. Do you like, think hey, the buddy. Jets are willing to take another chance on a Rodgers groupie? Absolutely. <laughs> Rodgers has a lot of say over there uh, in New York. But yeah, he needs to get all the BS out. That's right. And he's got to bring his boys in. Yeah. Alex Van Pelt, you're fired. Browns say, you're done, dude. Oh, the Browns won how many games? Um, 11? Yeah, they won 11. They were they were technically, you know, if the, if the Ravens hadn't fired. won, obviously the uh, AFC North, I mean, the, the Browns would have been tied for the second best record with the Bills. They just obviously weren't a conference or division champion. Yeah. Well, I mean... He had four look different at, quarterbacks. Look at the amount of injuries they've had, too. They had four different like, quarterbacks. Had- well, that's the thing. That That's why they were so impressive. When you think about the the Cleveland Browns, they were built off of defense and running the football. And their top five running back in the league, Nick Chubb, went down. Yeah. They still finished in, like, the top five rushing the football. Well, that's a that's a pretty darn good job. That for, gets you fired as a position coach. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a pretty darn good job by Stefanski as the head coach, and that's why he's in the running for coach of the year. I don't think he wins, but he definitely deserves some, you know, credit. You feel like you kind of want to run it back with those guys? You won 11 games, you had all the injuries, yeah. you got to the playoffs. Imagine having a healthy offense. And I didn't see Alex Van Pelt throwing two pick sixes back-to-back. Nope. The other thing that's going against them when you're when you're talking about quarterbacks, think about the quarterback room in which they had. They had Deshaun Watson, who was coming off of not really playing for a year and a half, played last year, was average at best, came in this year, played slightly better, but was no better than average. Then his backups were DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was a fifth round pick out of UCLA. It was P.J. Walker, who has always been a career backup and was even playing in the XFL at one point, and then Joe Flacco off the couch. And Joe Flacco is nearing 40 years old. So it's not like you were working with the best quarterback talent or even decent quarterback talent. Yeah. Also, boys, so I just saw that on my Twitter timeline an hour ago at the Browns. I scrolled down one post. Uno post. And here's the next story, right after Van Pelt getting fired. University of Wisconsin chancellor fired for making online porn with wife lost friends, but stands behind videos. And there's, there's Joe lost friends. There's Joe Gow again. <laughs> I thought this, this story is making another run in the national publications again. This is from the New York post. Yeah. It literally went from, they're a little behind the times. It literally went from Adam Schefter being like Alex Van Pelt fired for the Browns to Joe Gow making porn and losing friends, but stands behind his videos. Yeah. Dude got laid. Whatever. <laughs> Hey, you, you, you get mad at your friends for getting laid? I don't. Yeah, no. Oh, I congratulate them. Yeah. Say, hey, job well done. Hope it was the best. You know, best hey, time of your life. Way to go, bud. There you go. All right. So, uh, also coaching carousel. Jim Harbaugh met with the uh, Atlanta Falcons yesterday. That's a day after Bill Belichick met with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, before that, what Harbaugh met with the Chargers. Uh, apparently, the interviewing went really well. And uh, I have not, have you heard of Belichick meet with anyone else besides the Falcons? I've only seen the Falcons. So I've only seen the Falcons, the Falcons too. The only things that I've seen rumored were the Commanders, the Chargers. That was later in the season, and then I think very late in the season, the last few weeks, it was maybe a Bills if uh, if they ended up canning. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. With the Bills, yeah, the Bills coach McDermott, Sean yeah. McDermott. But other than that, yeah, the only actual interviews that I've seen was the Falcons. Yeah, and then um, Mike Tomlin said he is coming back for his final year of his contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he was asked that question after they lost uh, to the Bills, and he stormed off the podium. But he he informed that they are indeed coming back. And then uh, Jerry Jones hasn't really said anything. Um, Cowboys, here's a headline. Cowboys, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones sends clear message to players. We got to win. This is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, nothing on Mike McCarthy yet. And yet, apparently, he did not do his regular spot on his uh, Tuesday uh, really? radio oh, show. Well, he's so, in mourning a little bit, you know. Yeah, but let's say everything's fine. Wouldn't you go on there? Well, he would hope you'd live up to his commitments, right? As a good Southern man, you know. <laughs> Um, McCarthy's had to go circumcise a mosquito. <laughs> McCarthy's Cowboys also became the first team to win 12 games in three straight seasons and failed to make the conference championship in any of them. Oof. That left everyone 
everyone with feelings of grief and anger, according to the star at the team's headquarters. And then Jerry Jones saying, gosh darn it, we're the damn Cowboys. We got to win. <laughs> Maybe he's on his yacht, RJ. He's got to get away. Yeah, he could be. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. What's your guys' gut on Mike McCarthy? Roddy, we kind of talked about this yesterday, but so we could see it both ways. Um, I feel like they run it back with well, Big Mike. Mike Tomlin doesn't appear yeah, that he's, he's going to be on the market, as he had came out yesterday and said he plans on returning to the Steelers to play out the last year of his deal. You have Belichick who's out there. It doesn't appear that Sean McDermott will be fired after the Bills beat, you know, mm-hmm win in the playoffs, beat the Steelers, and now have another date at home against Kansas City. It doesn't appear that he'd be fired. Um, is Sirianni going to be fired? Is Sirianni still a question mark? But other than that, you have Sirianni being a question mark, Big Mike being a question mark, but you only have two guys to fill spots, as as in big names like Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh, if you can coax him out of yeah. Michigan. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like if you're Jerry Jones, one, I'm not sure exactly how well I see him and Bill Belichick coexisting. No, no, no. no. Now, will Jerry Jones swallow some pride to get a big time coach in there? Well, and let me say, give you this quote here. Oh, let me give you this quote here, Roddy, real quick. Uh, from the Star reporting that the 81 year old Jerry Jones emphasized in his uh, speech with the, the boys that. There's the ticking clock of father time. Quote, Jerry talked about how he doesn't have too many years left in the business, and he just wants it bad. He wants a ring bad. Does he seem like the kind of guy who, instead of just handing it over to his kids, will sell the team? (laughs) I don't think so. No? Well, he doesn't claim one of his kids. Well, you got to remember, Stevens now, also that 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 woman out there that he paid like twice to not say anything that, that he's his dad. <laughs> yeah, but he's her dad. He does have Steven, his his one son that works in the front office with him, kind of like as the general manager group. And his daughter yeah. runs the community service. I don't. Part. I don't think. I don't think I see the Joneses selling. No. Uh, here's one more tidbit on uh, like McCarthy. They say a couple of guys uh, went to bat for McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy's career record in four seasons as the Cowboys head coach is 42 and 25. That's a 62.7 win percentage, giving him the highest career win percentage of any coach in Dallas Cowboys history. Yeah, but most of those guys have spent more than five seasons. And there's something to point out in the comparison to the up and down tenure of Jason Garrett, in which the team went 86 and 67 in 10 seasons with a 55.9 win percentage. Yeah, let's let this play out but for Ma- another five seasons. Carthy's postseason record is one and three at the sole win coming in last year's wildcard round against a 45 year old Tom Brady in the NFC South champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, if I'm thinking of some of the big names, I don't think Bill Belichick can coexist because we know Bill Belichick likes to be the GM. Maybe they could be on common, like on a common agreement or common ground where you know Jerry's going to keep GM ability and Bill is going to coach now I think that makes sense for Bill Belichick because it's a good team right it's a good squad Mm -hmm. but I I just don't know if I necessarily see them being able to coexist I don't know if he would want to go in and grab Nick Sirianni coming from Philadelphia if he becomes available because maybe he sees the warts that Philadelphia would see, would have seen if they end up firing him because, I mean, they they play them twice a year. Yeah. They, they would know him pretty well. That would leave Harbaugh, which they haven't interviewed yet. Nope. I actually, from a standpoint of a, of a roster that feels like there's a lot of potential that's being untapped, I think Harbaugh and Belichick are making good decisions with the Atlanta Falcons. You think about some of the players they have, like you have Drake London at wide receiver. That's pretty darn good when you actually get him the football. I mean, you have what Kyle Pitts, who's a stud tight end that never gets the football. You have <laughs> Bijan Robinson, who you drafted in the top 15 and you hardly handed him the football. Like, I don't know exactly what Arthur Smith was doing, but this firing feels like it's a lot of on his own, uh, on his own merit because dude, you have good players and you don't get them the football. Like Tyler Algier was having just as many carries as B. John Robinson. That doesn't make sense. That's almost like a Matt LaFleur, Derek Henry, Deion Lewis, even split. Yeah. When he's with the Titans. That's funny. 
Jerry Jones. Listen here, man. Father time. Eight duck rocks are ticking. Mm. And I'm not even 100% sold that Harbaugh's in Michigan. Yeah, because um, ah, there was some news on Harbaugh yesterday. I have to go find it um, oh, when it comes to Michigan. So you have so many he, question marks. You wanted a guarantee that he wouldn't be yeah, that's what fired it was. If, the, if, the, uh, if, yeah. if the open cases come down. Yeah, he wanted some kind of like uh, something in his contract that guaranteed he wouldn't be fired. Yeah. I saw that yesterday, too. Everything that happened. Well, I could see Michigan doing that, too. I mean, he won you a national title. He is a Michigan man, and they're, they're dominating Ohio State recently. Here I could go. see them granting that, but I could, you know, I could see that going either way. Harbaugh wants, quote, language that would grant him immunity from termination from any finding or sanction that could arise from multiple current NCAA investigations. He wants that in his, uh, a contract, that he has immunity from getting fired. That would be, dude, imagine going into a job and be like, all right, I know you want me. I'll take the job, but here's what I, we're going to put in the contract. I have immunity from you terminating me. But this is where I'm going with it for the <laughs> you Cowboys. Can't, you can't, can't, fire, can't him fire him for the allegations, yes. open allegations. Yeah. This is where I don't get it for the Cowboys. With Tomlin staying put, with Harbaugh being like a 50-50 to go to the NFL stay in Michigan, with Sirianni not being fired yet, with it looking like McDermott's not going to be fired, like, who are you really going to upgrade to from McCarthy, who's won, like, 12 games, like, almost every season and then has fell, fallen apart in the postseason? But that has also come with horrible defensive efforts, Dak not looking the best. Yeah. Like, there's more than just, oh, McCarthy lost them. Oh, there's way games. more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know with what's available that there's really an upgrade because I don't see them being able to coexist being Jones and Belichick. Yeah. So I don't know if you necessarily upgrade unless you want to take a a gamble and roll the dice on some young up and coming, you know, offensive mind. Yeah. Before I get to the phones, um, think of this quick. Our guy G Dub on Twitch said, "Laugh all you want, boys, but the Commanders right now are the most stable team in the East." Are they? I don't know about that. <laughs> so by my count, the teams with openings: Tennessee, Las Vegas. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Washington Commanders, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Seattle Seahawks. Seven. Because the the, yeah, the Patriots the filled their position. Yep. Forgot the Seahawks. Forgot, forgot about And who knows? Is Dallas going to come open? Is That's, Seattle is, or is uh, Philly going to come open? I think Buffalo safe. Yeah. Is Green Bay? Hey, McDermott is undefeated since it came out that he used Al Qaeda for inspiration. That's true. That's a team that. Can That's work an explosive together. offense, now. Hi, Roddy. I think Chad called in earlier and uh, pretty posed a pretty good question. Uh, looking at the NFC here, which quarterback is playing his best ball right now? Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Jordan Love. Who's playing their best ball right now? And he said, I think it's Jordan Love. Jordan Love, uh, since the Packers have uh, been on this winning tear, what uh, what did he say? I got 20, 21 touchdowns and one interception? Correct. That's a pretty good ball right there. And Jordan Love, I mean, hell, you've seen him doing it when his feet aren't even on the ground against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and I, I mentioned to Chad, I saw a tweet, I believe it was from Zach Cruz, who said, if you look at a snapshot of how these teams have played in the last 10 games, all four teams in the NFC, Packers, 49ers, Lions, Buccaneers, all 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. So everyone's been playing relatively well. Now, the Niners are a team that haven't played the last two weeks, essentially. They had a bye for being the one seed, and then the week before, they sat most of their players. Green Bay had to play their way into the playoffs by beating the Chicago Bears. The Detroit Lions, they had wrapped it up, but remember, Tan Campbell's like, no. We have a goal. We're playing everybody. So they played everybody. And Tampa Bay, they had to play their way into the playoffs, kind of like what the Green Bay Packers did. So, yeah, everyone's playing pretty well. Now, to Chad's question on what quarterback would you take now, it's pretty hard not to say Jordan Love after what you just saw in Dallas and the fact that you mentioned the 21 touchdowns to one interception ratio here over the last, you know, so many games since the middle of the season. I just say in a quick synapse uh, instead I said to uh, Chad, well, I think the highest floor out of all of these quarterbacks is probably Brock Purdy 
because of all the weapons he has around him. When you think about it, I mean, <laughs> Debo Samuel on one side, Brandon Ayuk on the other side, Christian McCaffrey behind him. You have uh, George Kittle at tight end and then a good defense to go along with it. Yeah. That's a lot of weapons. He's going to have a high floor because he plays really well on time and he's got a lot of guys to get the football to and they get open. Yep. You look at Jordan Love, it seems like things are coming together. The, Matt LaFleur has been really good coming up with game plans as of late. He's been throwing the ball well. The young players, they're continuing to grow. Coming we talked about own. Aaron Jones is now healthy, and when they give him the football, he's looking like Aaron Jones again. So, yeah, that looks good. Then the other two, what, you have Jared Goff. The one thing with Jared Goff, though, he's still... Early in his career, if you could get him off of his spot, get him off of his timing, and and get in his face, he was really like a a nervous wreck back there. Very inaccurate, very below average quarterback. But he has since gotten better as as he's played more and more years in the NFL. But one thing that hasn't changed a whole lot, he still has pretty wild home road splits where he's a really good quarterback at home and more specifically in good weather yeah. or domes. Yeah. Now they're going to be playing in a dome. They are. Believe it or not, even though some reporters, I guess, didn't well, catch that Detroit played in a dome. It's been about 50 years. Um, but yeah, they'll be playing at home. And then there's Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield is a very high variance quarterback. He can look really good in some games. And really, really poor in other games. So I think if I had to list them in order, who would I take right now right today? Now today? Purely just the quarterback position. I'm going to go Jordan Love, number one. Hell yeah. I'm going to take Brock Purdy, number two, because of his floor. Jared Goff, three. Baker Mayfield, because of the high variance at four. Yeah. I want something consistent. I mean, the hottest team right now, I mean, you look at the Green Bay Packers and they're hot. And, you know, the other teams, you know, the Lions. What they got by Matt Stafford and the Rams. The Niners haven't played. You know, Jordan Love is absolutely balling on them. Hell, I mean, everyone's getting all this fanfare to C.J. Stroud, and rightfully so. I mean, he was balling off for the Texans. Jordan Love had the exact same numbers as him. Chris called in yesterday and, you know, gave us a trivia question. Uh, Stroud only had two more yards passing than Jordan Love did. All the numbers are the same. Everyone's loving Stroud, but Jordan Love, I mean, I think the national conversation is how the Cowboys uh, fell flat on their face again. Yeah, Not if, that Jordan Love is good. And if you look at those AFC matchups, I know Enzo just called in and he was talking about how he liked the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. This is actually a rematch from Stroud's first start. Yeah. they The Ravens beat the Texans 25-9 to in his first career start in the NFL week one. But that Ravens defense is really, really good and really deep. And, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson, the offense, is pretty good, too, despite all the injuries that they've had. Mark Andrews might be back for this game, by the way, after breaking his ankle in in the middle of the season. But, I mean, this is going to be a test for C.J. Stroud. This is arguably one of the better defenses in the NFL. He already struggled against it week one. We've obviously seen him make growths. But uh, to Enzo's point about liking Baltimore, a lot of the tickets on the spread, they're going to – the Texans. A lot of the the money going to the Texans, but you know where that line's going? In favor of the Ravens. Really? So someone somewhere important likes the Ravens, and that's not moving that line. If anything, it's actually uh, going up as the Ravens are favored by more, but we'll see what Stroud can do. Uh, then what's the other matchup? Chiefs-Bills. That's going to be the fun one. Yeah, oh, yeah. What's the weather going to be like? Is there any- 20 degrees. No Except snow, for snow? it doesn't appear to be, uh, according to the weather here, 20 degrees by kickoff, and it's supposed to be cloudy. Okay. So, so no, get hammered no snow. snow, but it's going to be cold. Isn't uh, San Francisco going to, or Santa Clara, is it going to be a little rainy, a little cold or a little rainy? Let me see here with I, the I, weather. I do believe it's going to be a little rainy. Uh, 62 degrees, according to this, 62 degrees and partly sunny. Oh, okay. I th- maybe uh, maybe I a chance of rain. It must have changed a little bit. But, uh, by the way, the Baltimore Texans game, 28 degrees, partly sunny as well. And just for all of our friends out there that still don't know that the Lions play in the Dome, that's going to be a climate-controlled game. Yeah, that'll be a there'll be no rain. There, there. will be no rain. There it'll will be, be pretty, no wind. Pretty pretty calm. It'll and, probably uh, be like 70 to 65, yeah. 70 degrees in there. It'll probably be perfect temperatures for a football game. Line one, good morning. Who we got? Good morning, guys. Hey, Chris. What's up, man? It's like it's like Beetlejuice. You said my name, and well, I only said it one time. Name. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris. Okay, okay. I'm a little bit slow, so that's all mine. Um, 
Okay, so today I'm going to be uh, Scotty Light. Uh, I, I have a trivia, one trivia question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, talking Packer quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So out of the 29 best single-season passing years by a Packer quarterback, 26 are of the best seasons are held by either uh, Brett Welfare Mom Far or... <laughs> Uh, Karen Jones, uh, Karen Rogers, um, with 13 each. Name the other three that are in the top 29. Bart Starr. No, he didn't play. He didn't no. throw very much. Uh, Jordan Love. Jordan Love because it's today and he play, played pretty yep. well. And yep. uh, Don Mikowski. With the Magic Man. Yeah. And uh, I want to say a second one would be Don Mikowski. No. I can tell you it's not Brett Hundley. Lynn Dickey. Very good. They're a boy, Very good. Okay. I wasn't okay. sure if Don Mikowski would have had two seasons in there. That was my thinking. It would nope. be Love with one and Mikowski with two. But if it wasn't going to be Mikowski with two, it would have to be Lynn Dickey. Because uh, Bart Starr didn't throw enough in the 60s. Exactly. Okay. Karen Rogers is number one. Who is number two in most passing yards in the season? Brett Favre. No. That's too obvious. Um, the, it magic, was, the Magic Man. No. It was Jordan Love because of today's era. No. I have no idea. Who is it? Well, who, who, who's El, what's the other name that was Lynn, thrown out there? Lynn Dickey. I guess I never even yeah. would have. 50 years later, he's still number two. Man. That's crazy. Yep. That's some good trivia, Chris. Scotty should take notes from you. <laughs> Oh, Scotty's the master. <laughs> Is he though? <laughs> sure. I mean, he when he says when he goes to say paint it black for Rolling Stones, he says fade to black, and that's Metallica. So that's uh, close enough. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> they both are quote unquote rock. So sure, a little different rock though. Chris, okay, yeah. I'll call it on Friday with with my better prediction than last week. I love it. We'll talk. Uh, well, hopefully tomorrow, but if not Friday, then Chris. Okay, yeah, I'm going to be in Appleton tomorrow, so oh, okay. I'm out. All right, buddy. Well, you okay. enjoy, you enjoy Appleton. Care, See you, Chris. So here's, okay, a tweet from, here's a tweet from Matt Barrows. He covers the 49ers for The Athletic. It was an article and write-up on the, the San Francisco 49ers and that team, and his caption of the article was, the 49ers are a bit like the Death Star. They're an overall awesome power, but there are also a few cracks we discovered on close inspection. And then he kind of goes through in the article, you know, what could potentially be some of those cracks, even though this team is really good and they well, they dominate. On the Death Star, it's a thermal exhaust port, to be, if we're going to be suspicious. So, so here's another quoted tweet by Zach Cruz, who writes for the Packers Wire. He goes, his master failed many times. It's the young Padawan's turn. And he photoshopped Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers' faces onto the Star Wars characters. See, You're going to have to help me with yeah, the Yeah, not a Star Wars guy. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers would be Qui-Gon Jinn, and then Jordan Love is Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> because I laughed at the, uh, it was it was really good uh, Photoshop on Aaron Rodgers there. Now, Qui-Gon Jinn, obviously the, the master of the Padawan that was Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, Rowdy, if you go down the Star Wars rabbit hole, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who in this sense is Jordan Love, Obi-Wan Kenobi is actually the most uh, force, uh, has the most force in him, the metachlorines in him, for uh, to become the best Jedi. I can't give you the Star Wars breakdown, <laughs> but I can say the Photoshop of Aaron Rodgers' face is hilarious. It is funny. It's really good. He kind of looks like Liam Neeson in a weird way. Like, and it, it works. I'm just going to give out, I'm not a huge fashion guy. I don't have style, but I'm going to give a little bit of advice to Jordan Love. I don't think he should ever grow the rat tail. Well, that's when you're a Padawan. You have the little rat tail. I, he should skip that part. Once you become a Jedi Master, then you get it cut off. <laughs> he, he should skip the rat tail. That's that's not a look for Jordan Love. It, it really isn't. Yeah, I don't know if it's a look for anybody. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really not. But Obi-Wan Kenobi pulled it off. Obi-Wan Kenobi pulled it off. Hey, speaking of Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, I got to play this clip. The look with the rat tail is like the little kid on the playground at elementary school that hasn't showered in two weeks and is a little (laughs) hellion. Do kids still rock the rat tails out there? I mean, when I was growing up, I never had one, but there was always one kid that had the rat tail, and he was always the the S-head. Yeah, same thing here in elementary school. Was he the S-head? There was always one or two. Was he a little troublemaker? Yes. Yeah. 
There's something about having that rat tail, like you know that you're the troublemaker in school. You're the <laughs> the kids still rock the rat tail. Chris, do your kids? Have, I don't know how old they are, but they have any rat tails? I don't think they'd be troublemakers though. Hey, line one. Who's this? Nate. Nate, you, Nader, had, you a had a rat tail. You had to have had a rat tail. No, I had blades. I kind of did, like a thing, <laughs> but it's. What it comes down to is any kid with a rat tail, you look at them and just go, "You need better parents." <laughs> like you know that you know that kid was the one that was getting detention and trouble in recess and everything. Yep, the, like didn't your dad tell you to behave yourself when well, my dad's not around? But yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and my dad went out for smokes about three years ago. He hasn't come back. So. <laughs> well, Nader, it's like day one of school. You know, you walk in and the teacher's got to be like, "All right, all right, okay." I'm doing roll call, and then she looks at. Oh, no, Billy's got the rat tail. There's the troublemaker yep. this year. Yep, there's the stereotyping. Yeah, you can usually find him pushing other kids around at the speedway. <laughs> Neither, did you, have, you had frosted tips, I bet. Oh, oh yeah. You're darn right. I, <laughs> I could, I could, there's, well, I, I was either going to get that, that or a bowl cut. You never, you never even know what I look like. You I, I don't know what you look like, Nader, that's correct. But I, I, it's either rat tail or frosted tips. I had to be right on one of them. Tip in the late 90s. Well, yeah, you of know. course, of course. Nader, Everybody I know what you look like, but I don't think you know what I look like. <laughs> no, I was... I think, Rowdy, I think Rowdy met you one night at Tough Time. The day you say we possibly met, I was only there in spirit. <laughs> you were, no, you were there physically. <laughs> Motor's running, nobody's behind the wheel. <laughs> Nader, you the man. We love you, buddy. See me. That's funny. I can I can look I can the kid in my class that had a rat tail, I could I could picture him perfectly right now. And he was a little craphead. It is funny because I have met Nader once and I think I've seen him out and about two to three times. Now that I know what he looks like. Someone on the Twitch channel said this, I forget who it was. It might have been Thick Cheddar. Uh maybe it was Kinger. I don't know. Somebody. For anyone saying the 49ers are making or winning the Super Bowl this year, let uh, me remind you of something, is the tweet. It's the Kirk Cousins curse. No team has lost to Kirk Cousins and played in the Super Bowl the same year. You got to go all the way back to October 23rd when the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium, yes, the bird-killing stadium itself, Defeated the 49ers 22-17. to Again, no team has lost to Kirk Cousins and played in the Super Bowl the same year. I just want to bring this up, though, for Packer fans. If you feel hopeful that this um, statistic, or I guess um, trend, <laughs> plays through at no one that's lost to Kirk Cousins won the Super Bowl, that might be true, and the 49ers but, might not win the Super Bowl, but... but. The Green Bay Packers also lost to Kirk Cousins, too. They did. The Packers, then, aren't going to win the Super Bowl either. So something's got to give here, potentially. Or, I mean, whoever wins that Lions-Buccaneers game. um, I'd have to go look at the schedule again. So let's see here. Uh, The Lions beat the Vikings both times. They're safe. They're safe. What about Tampa? And Tampa, I don't. I don't think well, the Lions played Tampa and the Packers played Tampa. Oh, the Buccaneers beat the Vikings twenty to seventeen, September tenth. So something's got to give in the other game too. Someone's got to obviously win. So it's looking like the Buccaneers or the Lions are going to go to the Super Bowl then. Okay, Lions, here's your chance. This could be it. This could be it. Oh, uh, the oh, Kinger's right, though. The Plus, the Lions didn't play Kirk Cousins. Well, it depends at, on what time they would have played them. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. But, yeah, obviously, if it's in the first, what was it, seven-ish weeks? Okay, Nick Mullins um, played January 7th. And for the other matchup, it was Nick Mullins again. So the Lions never played Kirk Cousins. So Lions or Buccaneers, there you go. Yep, there it is. I guess the the Packers and 49ers should both double forfeit this week. <laughs> Just cancel the game. Yeah. It's, it's not even worth it. Just cancel it. We're actually moving the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup to the NFC Championship. There game. you go. Pencil it in. <laughs> uh, on the matchup, though, with the 49ers and the uh, Green Bay Packers, 
So we were talking about this at uh, the start of the show. I didn't play the clip. I'm going to play it now. Nick Bosa was trying his hardest not to give bulletin board material to the Green Bay Packers. He, he, he kind of wanted to call Jordan Love a system quarterback. And then he talked a little smack nicely about Aaron Rodgers. Here's what Kyle the talks about is, is the whole team has improved throughout the entire season. They've gotten a lot of guys healthy. And, and they have a lot of the same guys from the past really good teams they've had. And um, a quarterback who does exactly what he's coached to do, which Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and unbelievable, but he kind of went outside of the realm of, of coaching, and and uh, sometimes it's it's good when you have a guy who, who does what he's coached to do. So kind of wanted to call Jordan Love a system quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers maybe made it harder for the Packers because he went outside of the, the realm of coaching. Well, I think when you're talking like that about an Aaron Rodgers, part of the going off script is what makes him great, right? Like when you think about some of the McCarthy years, especially early on when he had some of that receiver talent, and you were talking about, well, he'd come up with a play here or change it at the line because he saw this, and then he'd you know, evade some defenders, scramble out to his right and chuck it 60 yards down to his left and be a big completion. Part of that is what made Aaron Rodgers great. Part of that's what makes Brett Favre great, going off script. Yeah. But then there's the other side of that, which is a double-edged sword, being sometimes Aaron Rodgers would get laser-focused on Devontae Adams. Yep. Sometimes maybe he did change the play that was worse off than what the original play was. So it's a little give and take. You know what play I wish Aaron Rodgers would have changed instead of sticking in the coaching boundaries? Is when Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal against Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Aaron Rodgers was half off and pissed about it. Instead of going for it. I wish Aaron Rodgers would have changed it then and there. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely a give or take. Like I don't think Aaron Rodgers playing off script always made them better, but it, it obviously didn't always make them worse. No. Like clearly, I think if you look at his entire career, Aaron Rodgers' track record of going off script is more pro than con. Yeah. I saw Grant Bills uh, dragging Rodgers a bit saying, uh, Grant says he's been saying it for two years, that Rodgers made football harder than it needed to be for the Green Bay Packers. It's a kind of a revisionist history right there, Rowdy. Now, if they go and play on Saturday and the Niners win 31 to 10 and the offense is non-existent and nobody's getting open and Jordan Love is trying to play on time and doesn't have the ability to do so, well, then you're going to look at some of those Rodgers games where he went off script and say, man, I wish we had a quarterback that would have just kind of said F it. Let's try and win this game another way. No, you are right in Rodgers sometimes hyper-focusing on a Devontae Adams and maybe not trusting some of the other guys. But who at the end there was Aaron Rodgers throwing to that deserved, I guess, his trust that wasn't named Devontae Adams? Yeah, the wide receiver core right now, though it's young compared to those last few wide receiver cores where it was Devontae Adams, MVS, St. Brown, you know, Lazard, there's a lot more upside in talent. Mm -hmm. Now, there's not that number one, there's not that true number one Devontae Adams top five receiver in the league, but there's a lot of other talent that can make plays. So it's, I, I would say it's easier to distribute the ball because there are more guys coming open than Devontae Adams getting open and then maybe Lazard here or there. Maybe, maybe you know, MVS deep once in a while. Yeah, more guys are definitely running free, whether that be the scheme or probably more along the lines of they're just more talented. Yeah, yeah. Now, Packers, um, four and five in the all-time series against the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners have won four straight meetings, and people are pulling up that tweet or uh, the stat now that the Packers are 0-4 uh, with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback against the Niners and 4-1 and with everyone else. And they want to use that against Aaron Rodgers as well. well and you can go one further with LaFleur versus his buddies, right? Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur together in Washington. Everyone's heard the story. Everyone's heard their connection. Now, Matt LaFleur is two and three against Kyle Shanahan. But one of those wins came against Nick Mullins as a backup when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. A lot of Nick Mullins references. Today, by the way. <laughs> so if you talk about starting quarterbacks being healthy, Kyle Shanahan was three and one. And in their three wins, they were all pretty dominant outside of uh, the last one in the playoffs. Yeah. And King is right. Everyone else in that stat is, is Brett Favre. That's the foreign. That's Favre. Yeah. Yeah. That's Brett Favre. Now, uh, oh, oh, oh. 
just made his way into the ring. Stone Cold intern Austin. Oh, oh, there we go. Hey, Austin, what's up, brother? <laughs> what's up? Can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I thought I there we go. I thought I smelt something funky walk in. Oh boy, here we go. And I think it's just the Wrigleyville sweatshirt. Yeah, you're wearing some. What are you wearing this Wrigleyville sweatshirt in here? It looks brand new. It looks fresh. Oh, you were just at Cubs. This isn't brand you're, new. You're though. at the Cubs furry convention, weren't you? <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, so awesome. our beloved Craig Council. Where were you just at? Was it last weekend? Yeah. I was at CubsCon. CubsCon? Oh, sorry. It wasn't a furry convention. CubsCon. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> How was it? It was good. Yeah? Yeah. How was Gregory? Gregory was nice. Yeah. Yeah? I gave him a fist bump. You gave Craig Council a fist bump? I gave Craig Council a fist Go bump. Go wash that hand before. <laughs> don't touch that mic with that hand. Go wash it before you do it. It, it is kind of funny talking to some of the, the Cub fans that you know. Because most of them, when you ask them, what are your thoughts on Craig Council? They're like, yeah, he's a good manager, you know, whatever. But they're not super over the top, like, oh, we're winning the World Series this year. And then you have the complete opposite end of the spectrum of, like, the Dave from Anonas of the world. And, oh, there was another Cub fan that uh, that uh, sounded off on it, too, saying they absolutely hate the move. Terry. Yeah, yeah, Terry. They hate the move. They That's think he's trash. Stupid. And uh, the Cubs aren't going to do anything. It, it's a pretty wild spectrum. Yeah, that's not a. I'm not gonna agree with that crowd. I think is it true if you're a Cubs fan, you're on the spectrum? Maybe you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially on the spectrum, but you always show great pride in your Cubs fandom. Yeah, a lot of pride down there, right, Austin? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, besides your Cubs fandom, you're not. And I say this a lot. You're not an idiot. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Like you're not. You're actually a smart cookie. Uh, Grant Bills, sometimes I question his intelligence. <laughs> well, we, I love Grant. Well, Grant says uh, he's been saying for two years that Aaron Rodgers made it harder than it needed to be, the game of football for the Green Bay Packers. What, what's, what, what say you, Austin? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to disagree with that one, I think. Yeah. I think, I think last year Rodgers, I think the thumb actually was bothering him the whole year. He broke it. And, yeah, and then the rest of the team just wasn't that good, to be honest. It really wasn't that good of a roster. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. To say that a guy who won a, you know, his MVPs and was I mean, bringing them. Yeah, he won an MVP two years ago. So are you saying he made it? Is he saying he made it harder when the year he won his second MVP in a row? Well, he's uh, quoting Nick Bosa. Bosa saying that Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and un- unbelievable, but he kind of went outside of the realm of coaching and something that's not good. Then, then proceeded to. Basically called Jordan Love a system quarterback. I would agree with that to a point, but where I'm jumping off is I think the worst Aaron Rodgers going off script when it was when he was noticeably pissed off and having interactions with said coach. Mm-hmm. More or less like when he's going off script with Mike McCarthy in 2018. I don't <laughs> yes. think Aaron Rodgers going off script every other play was necessarily bad. I don't think it was that that much to that extent. But what I'm saying is I think... When Rodgers was going off script, it when it was bad was when it, he was interfighting with the coaching yeah, staff. Twenty eighteen. Now, could there be plays here and there where him going off script was negative? Sure, I'm sure that's with every quarterback that changes a play. And on the flip side, there's negatives if you stay on script as well. You know, it's funny though because when Rodgers went off script, the same people now that drag him for doing so are the same people that loved every second of it when he did it. I would I would say a hundred percent I feel this way that Aaron Rodgers targeting one receiver like a Devontae Adams was worse for the Packers than Rodgers playing off script. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, so Austin, you were at um CubsCon. I was at, in the bowels of Wrigley. The bowels. How was it? Good. What was the yeah. vibes like for Craig Council? Were people excited? Yeah, I think so. Uh huh. He had a couple uh, funny moments uh, on Friday night. He talked with uh, Ryan Dempster. Really funny story. They were teammates back into. Uh, they played with the Marlins quite a, quite a few years ago, and apparently Ryan Dempster and Craig Council were uh, golfing together. And Dempster was in a sand in the in a bunker. You so said you spend more time in the sand than David Hasselhoff. He might. <laughs> also doesn't. I, I I don't know. But anyways, Council's on the other side of the green, past the pin. Dempster tried to do a flop shot and instead scolded it and hit Council right in the 
Right in the private parts. Good. <laughs> <laughs> he goes good. Makes it makes good. makes total well, sense. I hope it hurt. Makes total sense now that he would always be willing uh, to pull the pitcher. He was sackless. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's still feeling the pain of it. Good. good. I hope it ruined his golf game for the rest of the day. You said you got an autograph from one of the players, or a few of the players, or one of yeah, the guys, or what? Few, I got. Austin knows a little Spanish. Knows a lick of Spanish. Too. <laughs> the, the Cubs closer, Albert Alzoi, um, and then Jordan Wicks, who was a starter rookie last year, and then uh, a prospect, Kevin Alcantara. Not yeah, what'd you say I've, to him? Um, I said his nickname's the Jaguar, so I asked in Spanish if he could also write on the hat the Jaguar too. So what'd you say? Buenos Escribir El Jaguar Tambien, por favor. Did he look at you like you just butchered my <laughs> my native tongue? Or did he follow through and give you a... He, he nodded. And oh, he yeah. nodded. Yeah. He didn't say anything, he just nodded. Yeah, pretty much. He said nodded. He nodded. But he so signed said, it off, he went. Yeah, I said gracias. He said de nada. Oh, so he did respond to you. Okay, yeah. that's nice. Sí. Um, <laughs> who did the Cubs... The Cubs just got a pitcher, right, Rowdy? Yep. Yeah, who's... What's the skinny on him? Shota Imanaga. Yeah, what's the skinny on him? Um... I think he's pretty good. He he also doesn't throw. He also doesn't throw like scouting report. He also doesn't throw ninety five. So I don't think we have a single starting pitcher in our uh, rotation, the Cubs rotation, that throw past ninety five. What else have they done? Because I know for a while they're they're the, one of the only it. teams in the majors not to spend any money. Yeah. So uh, that Japanese guy, he was the first major league transaction we did. No, we signed a backup catcher like two weeks ago. Yeah. But this guy was like the first move, and then we traded for a. The Dodgers prospect, I think, like the Dodgers number two prospect. Cody Bellinger is still out there. Yeah, yeah. Is, is he, what's he, what's going to happen with him? I think he'll still end up in Chicago, but right now he's trying to get two hundred fifty million or something. I don't know. <sighs> he's got Scott Boris as has his agent, so he won't sign till spring training. It's kind of yeah. the general. All right, so um, how it works. Well, Rowdy, let me ask you this: Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. Who's got the best shot at winning that? Central. Eliminate the Pirates right now. Yeah. Everyone they're, everyone but the Pirates, it might be 25% each right now. They're, um, they're young and rebuilding, but basically since, um, what well, I believe it's Bob Nut, Nutting, yeah. since he bought them, they're pretty much post-Andrew McCutcheon have always been rebuilding, and that's been going on a decade now. So I'm not going to anticipate any Pirates love. Even though, remember, they played really well the first two months of the season last year. Uh-huh. Then they faded hard, and they remembered that they were, in fact, the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> they were. Um, Cincinnati Reds, they're still up and coming. Obviously, we we know that they have a lot of young talent. Now, last year, they didn't have much for pitching, but they had a lot of guys like Nick Lodolo was hurt. Uh, you had, I think they had like three or four starting pitchers that got hurt last year. Now, overall, they have a decent amount of depth with starting pitching, but it's all really young and relatively unexperienced. And like I said, a lot of them didn't stay healthy last year, so they might have some upside, but still, I feel like it's probably a little too, too early for the Cincinnati Reds. And then you have the Cardinals. Like, what are the Cardinals? Yeah. They ended up keeping Nolan Arenado. They ended up keeping Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, Wilson Contreras is still there. I, But it's like they normally the Cardinals are pulling up prospects left and right, and you've never heard of them. And then the next thing you know is like they're the next guy. Yeah. That didn't necessarily happen last year. The, the pitching staff, Jack Flaherty is no longer there. He signed elsewhere. The pitching staff is still a huge question mark. I know that they've lost multiple guys due to free agency already. So the Cardinals feel like they're the Packers of 2022. They're holding on to the remnants of what was a good team and hoping they can find some magic. But I don't know if it's necessarily going to be there. But then you have the Cubs who we'll see if they end up signing Cody Bellinger. Obviously they they lost uh Strowman to free agency and it doesn't sound like uh what you know, Yankees? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't sound like uh you know they have a lot of moves on the horizon outside of Bellinger. Obviously Austin mentioned how they picked up the one of the I think he was probably the third best Japanese pitcher out on the market. But yeah, other than but that he it's he was behind 
Shoyo Tani and Yamamoto. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> good company. Yeah. <laughs> but they have a team that's younger. There's talent there, especially if they do sign Cody Bellinger. Bringing in Craig Council, you can only imagine that te- team grows from what it was last year. My biggest question, obviously, because I don't care about the Cubs or any of the other teams in the Central, <laughs> is the Brewers and what the Brewers are going to do. Yeah. Are we going to go into the regular Call season? Call up Chirio and just let them play all 162. I think that's the best. Let's well, they have to. I mean, they that, all that money. I'm honestly <laughs> indifferent about bringing up Cheerio. Like, yeah, I would like it. Like, you just signed him to that 10 year deal. Essentially, yeah. I know it's eight years, but with two years of options, I understand why you would bring him up right away. I would also understand why you wouldn't if he wasn't ready. I mean, the guy hasn't even played a full year of AAA, and he's not even 20 years old yet. Now, my biggest question is, they have officially come to deals with Corbin Burns, who, by the way. Corbin Burns got about uh, five and a half million dollar raise. Settled at fifteen point six three seven five million dollars. Willie Adamas got like a three and a half million dollar raise. So they settled with two of their biggest trade chips. Do they bring them into the season? And are they going to potentially ride it out for nothing and play the whole year? Are they going to trade them at the deadline? I do believe Scott Boris also is the agent for Corbin Burns now. If I remember correctly. Well, like this Brewers season really hinges on what way they decide to go. Like if if they're going to deal Corbin Burns or Willie Adamas before the season, obviously we're not going to have as good of a baseball team in Milwaukee. If they decide to keep them in the season, are they going to trade them at the deadline? If they are in contention for a division or a playoff spot and then completely kill the morale of the team, (laughs) or are you going to hold on to them all year if you're in contention and then get absolutely nothing back for two of your biggest trade chips? Yeah. Lots of decisions to be made before April. Uh, before we get back to the Packers here, Vega Mont Johnson, I just tuned in again and I'm hearing baseball WTF. Just just be easy, dude. We talked three and a half hours so far at Packers. Um, Kinger hit me up with this uh, from Major League Baseball. Remember going into the season last year, it was uh, the Major League Baseball predicted the next 10 World Series. And they said the Brewers were going to win in like 2032 or something like that. Do you remember that, Rowdy? Yeah, that was last year. Yeah. When they tweeted out last year. Well, it was like 2030 something that they're going to win. Now they, they redid it for this year's. Yeah. Brewers aren't on it anymore. Yeah, it looks no. like they lost ground. <laughs> but believe it or not, here, here's the biggest shock. Well, Austin, in 2031, apparently the Cubs and uh, Red Sox are going to take each other on the World Series. But in 2029, I, they're tabbing the Pittsburgh Pirates to take on the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series in 2029. They took the Brewers Start off. Dreaming. They took the Brewers off and, <laughs> and put the, the pirates, pirates in. Huh? <laughs> All right. There you go. Well, also, that's 2029, and we're in 2024 now. Yeah. That's still five years. Those are so pointless. That's so like, there's, it's When they put the Brewers so. on it, I, I remember laughing out loud. I'm, I'm laughing even more now with the Pirates Remember you there. brought it up, and it was something like 2031, and then I was like, well, if you look at the young core of players that we thought they might be, you know, issuing into the big leagues and being the next core of players, all of those guys would already be through arbitration before 2031. And we would know that maybe one would get extended because that's just the Brewers way. But it looked like the one might already got out of the way. Jackson cheers.